We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday, the day after the Knicks have played a game against the Philadelphia 76ers, which you're probably used to this by now if you've been listening to the show for a while. Um, You're not going to hear me talk about today because um, I will be recapping that game and analyzing it and hopefully... Not saying anything about the refereeing because one night was more than enough of that. Um, you could catch all that on the post game live stream, which you could see on the KFS YouTube channel or obviously find it right there in your podcast stream. Um, but this episode, um, recorded this a little bit earlier in the afternoon on, um, Tuesday is featuring uh, someone who covers the NBA generally for uh, several different places, one of which is the Hardwood Knox podcast, also here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, Dan Favale. Um, We had a really good conversation because, you know, we obviously we talk a lot about the Knicks on this program, but I feel like with the trade deadline upcoming, uh, I wanted to bring someone on who is both intimately knowledgeable about the Knicks and um, Dan uh, is a, a you know Nick fan at heart, um, but also he covers the NBA generally. So we got into some different things about how um, you know different uh, ways that the league could turn um, in the next nine days will affect what the Knicks can do, what the Knicks should do, what the Knicks are able to do. So we just get into a lot of trade stuff, and there's of course some fake trades pitched, and I'm sure you'll um, disagree with some of them vehemently, but. We had a great conversation, so stick around for that. Um, as I am recording this introduction, it is about 10 to 5 on um, Tuesday. The NBA released its last two minutes report for the Brooklyn game. And as expected, they stated that the uh, refs made the correct call um, in that Julius Randle was called for a travel at the end of the Brooklyn Nets game. I mean, look, they could say whatever the hell they want. Um, I've been watching the NBA for almost three decades. Stars get calls. And Julius Randle, you know, last I checked, he has an all-star jersey hanging in his uh, closet. No one's ever going to be able to take it from him. Uh, that is a call that you make. Um, you allow him, once Kyrie Irving puts, puts his hand on that ball and dislodges it, because, again, the NBA's rationale is that Julius Randle never lost control of the ball after Kyrie Irving swatted at it um and i think you need to look no further than a play earlier in the exact same game 
when James Harden came strolling down the lane and I forget which Nick it was, um, put his hand on it. And boy, the ball sure as shit didn't seem to move nearly as much in uh, Mr. Harden's hands as it did in Mr. Randall's at the end of that game. Uh, my personal opinion, uh, something I was texting with someone earlier today, is that the refs felt like, all right, we had two jump balls, um, you know, that could have gone either way, and they and they went the next way. Well, guess what? Those are the right calls, and they just didn't they didn't want to send another call the next way. Um, it is what it is. It happened. Um, as um, if you listen to my my post game thoughts on that one, you know that I think that despite the fact that the game ended the way it did, it was a huge step forward for the team. And, uh, you know, here's hoping that it could continue. But um, more on that later. For now, uh, let me get to my conversation. Uh, once again, you could hear him, if you enjoy this one, on his own podcast, Hardwood Knox, on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, Dan Favalli. Joining me now on the next Film School Podcast, I'm very excited to welcome to the show for the first time. I've long been a fan of his um way back when because he's been on how long has he been on twitter i'm gonna look this up wow got on twitter april of 2009 so there's some there's some history here uh he is the co-host of hardwood Knox, uh part of the blue wire podcast family um and just a generally really good follow uh dan favale dan hello sir how are you i am doing well um one thank you for the kind words those are mega appreciated and i appreciate your low standards for good follows on twitter (laughs) Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I was like, no, I was just thinking like when I first I, I'm, as you could probably tell, I'm very old and out of touch with like current things. So when I got on Twitter for the first time in like the middle of the last decade, I forget I found like an article or something where it's like, here are the people that you need to follow if you are like like the NBA. And I remembered distinctly your name came up. I'm like, oh, Stan. That must have been a very thin list then if I showed up on it. You, I, I, I swear I'm not making this up. You were, you were on this. So, um, only took 300 some odd episodes to to get together, but uh, better late than never. And we are here, of course, to commemorate. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday, March 16th. So by the time people hear this, we will be um, eight days out from the NBA trade deadline, which is everybody's favorite time of year. It's like Christmas for NBA fans, except more often than not, we end up with like not coal. Like, like socks, we end up with socks. We end up with some underwear, maybe like one decent toy. Um, you know, what's the best toy you ever got for Christmas? We're just going to go off the rails right away. Oof. Oh, man, I think GameCube. Let me age myself here. When oh. I was a kid, I got GameCube. And I remember being I've had video game systems since um, yeah. I don't play them anymore. But I was I remember being so stoked. I ran through my house with it in my hands. I can remember with that. the actual cube. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I my first one was uh, Nintendo, so don't feel don't feel too bad. Um, I think I was most excited for Super Nintendo. I would love if we could get a Super Nintendo this trade deadline. I don't feel like it's going to happen. So before we get to the Knicks specifically, um, how are you looking at this deadline, and what do you basically expect? You know, for the next eight days. So at the beginning of the year, I came into it thinking that we would have a very aggressive deadline because people would sense like this competitive void and this season is so weird there are teams coming off a shorter offseason that maybe teams that wouldn't normally be aggressive would be because they sense a chance to really compete for a title uh i was told i was a moron for that theory and i think um that's really come to bear when you look at how the the playing tournament has sort of impacted how things are going where you're looking at these teams the east there's like 13 teams in the race um the playoff race right now in the west There's fewer, but there's a ton. And the other thing I don't think I discounted enough is when you look at some of the buyers or the would-be most aggressive buyers, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Nets now, like they've just traded a trillion first-round picks. And so there's not much that that they could do. And so I think we'll still get, because the deadline is always sort of hectic, we'll get a bunch of like moves. But like you said, they're probably going to be socks. Maybe they won't be cold, but they're going to be like maybe name-brand socks. That's what I'll estimate. We'll get some name-brand socks this trade deadline. I would love socks that didn't get hole, holes in I'm wearing the socks I'm wearing right now have holes in them. Um, I would just, I would kill for just a decent pair of socks. So, you know, maybe I'll be happy with that. Um, but, you know, to your point, somebody messaged me before and they're like, man, what do you think the Clippers would give up to get off of uh, Luke Kennard's contract? Um, like maybe we could, maybe we could uh, shove Alfred Payton on them and we'll take back Kennard. And I'm like, well, the Clippers don't have any 
picks to trade. Literally can't trade any picks. So it's like, I feel like you're, you're spot on. There's a lot of situations like that where either for salary reasons or pick reasons or whatever, there might not be a lot of movement that said, I don't think you're that off because doesn't it seem like, um, here's some homework for Andrew. What's the line where it's like, it's a little too quiet. Doesn't it feel like there's too many people being like, eh, it's going to be a quiet deadline. Nothing's really going to happen. I, I don't know. It's like you just said it. There's so many teams in it. Is don't you, All it takes is a couple of teams to talk themselves into, you know what, we're this player away from making, like, it wouldn't shock me, right? I'm I'm with you, but I'm also like, and we do keep recycling the same names where it's, I mean, it's been bad since Lonzo Ball sort of fallen out of the rumor mill. It's just anyone who plays for the Rockets, basically, yeah. and then Andre Drummond. And now Miles Turner is going to sneak his way in there because he always sneaks his way in there. So <laughs> It's not a trade deadline without, without yeah, Miles and, Turner. And then Aaron Gordon, or like anyone that plays for the Magic, too. And so that's where the focus has really been. Maybe something comes out of left field, but I've always prided myself on being able to identify what those scenarios might be. And when I come up with hypothetical trades, because those are wormholes I go down all the time, I've absolutely sucked at it this year because I can't spot like any of those surprises and I don't know you know I think we're in a situation where the biggest name at the deadline that get moves might be Aaron Gordon or Victor Oladipo and that's just that's what we get yeah it sucks it sucks um and you whether they get moved um is is going to probably be determined by whether some team views them as something more than socks and that's the other part of it is like there aren't that many dumb teams anymore um, like who I'm <laughs> well, I, maybe I shouldn't say that as, as the resident fan of said dumb team for a very, very long time, I'm hoping that the Knicks are not, you know, in that category anymore. It doesn't seem like they are based on how they approach this offseason. but, um, so that's a good, good transition to them. Is there like even one move on the board that you would look at and say like, Ooh, this makes sense for the Knicks, you know, in terms of buying, in terms of selling, like anything that like piques your interest. There's not like a specific player, but I do think they've played themselves into a position where they can do, they can do whatever they want, basically, where it's because you have $15 million in cap space, whatever that final number is right now, you kind of get to set the salary dumping market if teams actually want to get rid of salaries. The other thing you can do is, you know, you mentioned Luke Kennard and the the Clippers would be a good example, or like the Sixers who need to trade multiple guys. Um, You're looking at the Lakers who are close to the hard cap. The Bucks might want to duck the tax. You can take on smaller extra players and still get something. And it's not going to impact your rotation because who's the guy you're going to waive. Um, Hopefully Alfred Payton, if you can't trade him, but you know, is it going to be Austin Rivers or something like that? So you can do that, but also you're in the Eastern conference playoff race. And I'm, I've always been the advocate of, especially this season because of how deep the draft looks like it's going to be. It's better to be bad than kind of in the middle, but I'm just RJ Barrett's developing. Julius Randle has been fantastic. Like just go for it in the sense that no, don't give up future first round picks. But if the Rockets asking price for Victor Oladipo is so low that you can do it, um, I'd be a little bit leery of, do I want to take the ball even more out of RJ Barrett's hands than it already is? But that's the type of swing you can make because you are kind of good. And now you get to experiment with someone. Yeah, you could sign him in free agency, but now you're going to get a few months to see if he actually fits with you and it didn't cost you too much. And so I don't know which way I would lean. The fan in me says just do the latter. Maybe it's not Victor Oladipo. Maybe it's someone else. Is it, is it Evan Fournier or something along those lines? But they can do whatever they want because of the position that they're in right now. Um, I'm really happy that you put it that way because, and, and by the way, um, MV, uh, MVP Andrew coming up huge here. It's a little too quiet. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. How I could forget that is beyond me. I saw that movie in a theater. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Well, again, you're dealing with an old man here. Um, um, I'm not that far behind you, so I, feel, I just didn't see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a theater. So I saw it on VHS, though. <laughs> okay. Well, that, I mean, you the fact that you know what a VHS is when we have um, a resident mailbag po- podcast co-host who probably, if I said those three letters, would just look at me like I had 10 heads. Um, anyway, I'm happy you put uh, it like that because to me, if there was an obvious who the what would be a lot clearer for the Knicks. Like if Oladipo in a, in a different universe was shooting 38% from deep, right. This season, as opposed to what is he at in Houston, like 30% and he's like 38% overall. It's not what you might be 38% on twos in Houston for all I know. I don't think it's that low, but it's, it's bad. So if you're the Knicks, not only are you doing this guessing game of like, all right, you know, 
what are we giving up versus what does he bring? To, I mean, I think the theoretical version of him brings a lot to your team. And like, yeah, you could have that whole discussion, but you also need to have the additional conversation of like, wait a minute, this guy just might not be, you know, what he once was. And like, I know Drummond is different because they're not trading for that salary, but like even Drummond who's hitting like 50% of his shots around the rim this year, which is hard to do if you're a large human and he's accomplishing it. Um, but again, there's that question mark there. So it's like, the one thing I let's stick to the first thing you said, because it was brought up in uh, one of the articles that came out today. I think it was an ESPN piece about taking on some teams like um, crappy uh, salary that they just need a, a landing spot for. I'm wondering. So you mentioned Philly. Can we talk about Philly for a sec? Let's divert. Talk about Philly. Let's okay. talk about Philly. Because I think the Kyle Lowry thing, the Kyle Lowry of it all is, is fascinating. The, the Toronto Raptors um, are 17 and 22 right now. They are in 11th place in the Eastern conference. My goodness. Um, if you're Philly and you're watching Brooklyn do what they're doing without Durant in my eyes, you should go get Kyle Lowry. Is that, am I crazy for saying that? No, if he's actually available, which I just, I don't know. I feel like it's a situation where he has to ask for out. And if you are, you know, 11th place in the East, that only means you're like three games out of fourth or whatever it is right now. This is so true. I don't know if they'll weigh that, but with Embiid's injury now too, and you're going to have to make that decision before he actually comes back. I guess it depends on the cost. Is it, you know, do you give up a first round pick and Tyrese Maxey? Um, plus, you know, you have to get rid of Danny Green in that scenario. And he's actually important to what you do. Lowry's a much better fit. I would absolutely do it. If it's, even if that's the cost, I would still do it. I just wonder if they're going to be a little bit more conservative now post Embiid injury, because, you know, two weeks, he's going to be reevaluated, but it's Joel Embiid and just his track record of availability. So what happens when he comes back and you're not even going to get a chance to see him come back beforehand, but I'm with you. If you can get Kyle Lowry and that, if that's the baseline cost is Danny Green a first, one of your young guys and then filler, I would absolutely do it, especially after watching, not even what Brooklyn's doing without Durant, but they have Kyrie Irving on the bench and they're just, you know, James Harden is just destroying defenses left and right still. That has to, that has to scare you if you're a contender right now. Yeah. I'm just, cause I'm, you know, you look at it and I wonder with the East, like, I'm not saying it's an, it's obviously not an easy, but if you're Philly and you could get that one seed and you know, if you could stay ahead of the curve, and again, this has so much to do with Embiid, right? Because if he's out for a long time, maybe you can't keep the one seed. But if you could, and you know that you're only going to have to face one of these, you know, big time teams in the conference final, I don't, I don't know. So let's say they they go for that. If you're the Knicks, though, what would it? So then you'd have to cut. I don't know. Pick one of Alfred Payton, Iggy Brasdakis, or Austin Rivers. Um, Alfred Payton for me, but I have a feeling it'd be different for the Knicks. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll come back to to Elf because I I think he's an interesting name. I I have a feeling it would be different for the next two. I would probably be Rivers or or Iggy. Like, what's it worth it for you? So now you're using you're using some of your salary cap space, but that the value of that is going to go down past the trade deadline anyway because on draft night it's like you're so close to other teams having that cap space if you hold over trades the new league year. Um, I don't know. Is is the second round pick enough to to do that? Would you do that? I think I would probably do it. Right. Yeah, if you're taking on what is it, Terrence Ferguson? Is it someone is like it that? Or, yeah, yeah. It's I would absolutely do it. And I think Philly has like a couple of nice seconds, if I'm not mistaken. Like, do, do they have a Charlotte second somewhere? You might as I'll well. You, like, you oh, might as well. Andrew could look that up. That. I think. Yeah. Here we go. Second homework. <laughs> so I, I would absolutely do that if I were them, and I'd be trying to like skulk around other deals that are sort of like that. With you know, I think the Lakers just because of their proximity to the hard cap, if they want to make a move, might you know. Does somebody need to take on Alfonso McKinney's money? Like, what are they going to give you for that? Uh, the Clippers have, I think, all the Detroit seconds, which I think is just 2024, 2025, and 2026. So, like, if they need someone, you know, if they need to take on someone to take on Fiondu Cabangeli, like, can you get one of those Detroit seconds for that? Maybe that's a little ambitious, but at the same time, if depends on who's the player coming back for them, those are the opportunities that I think they should definitely be in the market for if they don't view themselves as just an, an all-out buyer. Because if they're a buyer, I don't know that they're – um, surrounding assets are going to compete with other teams, at least what they're willing to give up, you know, putting Kevin Knox on the table. I don't know what that necessarily does for you, but because they have so much cap space to work with, that does give them a leg up over literally everyone else that's going into trade negotiations right now. So let's, let's get into the weeds on that for a sec. Cause okay. They have all this cap space. So, but if you're, if you're a buyer and you're trying to, uh, to borrow the term that's been overused um, 
weaponize that cap space. And like, that is part of the appeal. Like does, where does that really come in handy in terms of being able to acquire a real, is it like, is, is that why we heard the, there them mentioned in the miles Turner thing that came out earlier today, that allegedly the Knicks are one of the teams keeping an eye on him because he makes, was it 17 million, 18 million, something along those lines. Um, so you'd be able to send Kevin Knox for miles Turner and then that helps the Pacers deal with the impending situation they have, I think, for um, someone on their rosters coming up for free agency, TJ Warren. Um, so is like other than Miles Turner, I'm trying to think of like another team where that cap space is really going to help them in terms of acquiring real talent. Unless you want to give me like Evan Fournier, is there someone or maybe I guess Lonzo, but that feels like a whole different conversation. Yeah, because you're, you're not you're doing you're acquiring Lonzo because you want Lonzo at that yeah. point. Um, I I think the Pacers are one of the few. The, the Magic I would come to they're like close enough to the tax where if they decide to lean into a rebuild, they're just going to want to get off money, um, and maybe they don't want to pay Evan Fournier, so that'd be a name. There's I think the Rockets with Tillman Fertitta, they always want to save money, and so if there is a Victor Oladipo trade with the Knicks, I imagine there will be very little salary going back to Houston. That would just be be my hunch at this point, and so. I do think you bring up a good point. There aren't teams that are looking to like actively dump money. And I think one of the names that I saw mentioned was if the magic want, uh, if the Mavericks want to get rid of Dwight Powell, one, do not help the Mavericks do anything when you own their future picks. Like you need to short that future. And so leave Dwight Powell in Dallas if you can, but because of all the extensions we saw signed, like with LeBron, Gobert, Paul George, free agency is not shaping up to be what it was. And so even if teams could talk themselves into, Hey, we need to get off money to go make a run at these free agents who are you making a run at? Is it, you know, no one's clearing cap space to go after Kyle Lowry per se, just because he's going to be so old. And so that would put them at a disadvantage where I don't think they'll get a first round pick for leasing out their cap space, just because I think there's a shortage of teams with truly bad deals on their books. They're actually looking to get rid of them. And I think the other thing is to deals are so much shorter now than they were like four or five years ago. And so there are just very few truly terrible deals in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, there there really are a few t- fewer terrible deals in general, and I'm trying to think of like, uh, you have to look at deals almost signed this summer as ones that like. But then again, like you know, it's, the Canard thing is interesting because like that was a theoretically really helpful player, which a good smart organization signed to that contract just this summer, and now he's out of their rotation. But like, if you're the Knicks, I th- that's still not a road I would go down. Um, a shooting guard with bad knees. Yeah, that gives me like Allen Houston PTSD right now. Obviously, yeah. players, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't want it. Um, let's let's talk for a second about um, about Fournier. Do you like him as like just a, a theoretical fit on this team? Yeah, I would like him a lot. Where <laughs> they're set up so he could be their third option, which I think he's best suited as, and he can shoot off a catch. And this team just needs like a difference maker in the, in the half court. And I've, I talked about maybe they should go after JJ Redick, but their guard rotation of just pure guards who can't really play up. It's just so jam packed right now Mm. where Fournier is, you know, if you play him with RJ Barrett, like they they can mix and match and like defend twos or threes. And the way that Barrett's defended away from the ball this year, I think that that would be totally workable. So if he's someone you could get again, even if the magic aren't looking to dump him and you can just give up something small to get him, you're in that position where it's, what does it do to, you know, your future. And is anyone, you know, Kevin Knox isn't even really playing anymore. If it was Kevin Knox straight up for Evan Fournier, I, again, in past years, I might be leery of doing it, but because of where the Knicks are now and someone like Fournier, where he's going to be such a good fit, uh, that's something that I would absolutely consider. Um, Kevin Knox and a future second sounds, that sounds fair to me. Is that too light? Am I being too light there? I think it just depends on how is Kevin Knox viewed around the NBA? Like he's shown he can hit threes mm-hmm. this year. I'll be in a small sample. He hasn't shown much else, but I also don't know, you know, how, how much of that is because he's not getting playing time either. And he hasn't really, this isn't even a tips thing. Like it's the Kevin Knox playing time situation has been, I feel like a mess his entire career basically. So if you're the magic, they're short on wings and wings that can shoot for the most part. And he is relative to what Fournier is going to cost you cheap next year if you look at him as still like, Hey, this is just a second draft flyer. I would think that Kevin Knox in a second um, would be reasonable. Maybe Kevin Knox in two seconds. I don't think it's a situation where you would have to give up a first round pick though. Yeah. I, and I would not give up a first round pick for, for Fournier. Um, Speaking of first round picks, um, 
something else I want to get your opinion on. There was in the Dwight Powell um, mention that was in that ESPN piece. Uh, it was brought about the idea of maybe the Knicks get the benefit of the Mavericks lifting the protections on the 2023 first round pick, which is currently first uh, top 10 protected for three years out. And then it would convert to seconds. I tell me if this is insane. Cause I, to me, it makes a lot of sense, but it also doesn't make any sense. If I'm the Knicks, I don't want those protections lifted because it then allows the Mavericks to make a t- trade, a future first round pick. Um, this deadline, which as long as those protections are on, it hamstrings the Mavericks in terms of what they could do at this deadline. Now, is that is that too much going towards the side of like you're you're worrying about this year's pick and like, does it even matter? Or is the pick probably going to be 18, 19, 20 anyway? But like, I guess this is something I was more thinking earlier in the year when I was thinking of them as like a very dark horse Bradley Beal team. Because if you had lifted the protections on that pick, then all of a sudden the Mavs were able to put in a future first, two swaps, and I guess another swap that would be sooner. Um, so, it would it, it, tell me what your what your thoughts are on that. Do you think there's there's any value to the protections of that pick staying on? Not unless you're planning on trading it, because the cachet of hey, we have this unprotected pick down the line to trade you uh, is it's definitely you know it's alluring, but. In the case of the Mavericks, like you said, yeah, they could still trade a pick right now, um, next allowable draft, and it can expire sooner. But if you lift the protections, it makes it easier for them to do swaps and teams know that they're going to get a pick in 2025 as opposed to to potentially having to wait. And you also kind of embolden them to not toe the line where they are now, where it's, you know, if KP doesn't um, pan out necessarily long-term and they're still in the middle, maybe they decide to be like um, half bad, but if you if you give away an unprotected pick, you're going to be all in, and they might be that way with Luca anyway. And so, I, I think you brought up the main point is if you're lifting the protections on a pick, that pick's probably going to convey anyway. So, what are you actually doing for yourself? Is there something else attached to that? Yeah. Are they getting Josh Green, Tyrell Terry? Do they like those guys enough to do that? So, I would not do it for the pick protections alone. Uh, that being said, if you are planning on rerouting that pick in maybe a Bradley Beal trade this summer, and I would expect that whenever Bradley Beal becomes available, the Knicks will be just one of the teams that are really going hard after him. If you think that really helps you, potentially that makes sense, but then you still have two years left of Dwight Powell, who with Randall and Robinson, like he's just not someone that's going to to help you very much. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's the thing that anytime you, you, know, you bring up the idea of the Knicks being a dumping ground for salary at this particular deadline – I don't feel like unless it's a small salary, unless it's a small expiring salary or actually just any expiring salary, I don't feel like they would acquire any salary of a player going into next year or beyond that they don't feel like is going to play a meaningful role for them like on the court, because then what you're doing is you're acquiring dead weight that you would then need to pay a premium to unload. Um, so I completely agree with you there. And like Dwight, I like Dwight Powell as a player. I've always liked him as a player. I don't, you know, but he's like out of the rotation in Dallas now, I think. And look, stuff's been weird since his Achilles injury too. Everyone was questioning that contract at the moment, but post Achilles injury, that's just, that's just really tough for him. And so I, you know, I guess if he prevents you from going after and trying to pay Andre Drummond this summer, then yeah, I'd rather have Dwight Powell at two years and 22 million, but uh, there would need to be something. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now it's in that deal. I guess I wouldn't be opposed to it because if you could look at it as, hey, you know, the Knicks are going to do this summer what they did last summer with their cap space because the talent won't really be available. Mm. They're going to sign short-term deals then Dwight Powell functionally is really only eating up the next year of your cap because 
um, you were going to yeah. use that money not on impressive players anyway. But there needs to be like another carrot in there because that Dallas pick, let's, like, is it going to be? It's probably going to be bottom ten. Like, I don't think you need to worry about that top ten protection at all. Luca's not going anywhere. He's. We saw what Luca did. Like, they had this season from hell this year, and they're still going to finish with sixth or seventh best record in the West. So um, I know fans are going to get mad at me for saying that, but it's just look. I've been saying this all year. Um, so I, at least I've been steadfast. You, you you keep wanting me to take the Drummond bait, so I have to bring him up. We have to have the Andre Drummond conversation. Here, here is how I want to frame this. If the Knicks were thinking, we can flip Mitch now to some team that is cash-strapped and that needs a, a center for, you know, a, a rim-running center for 25 minutes a game that is going to make, that makes no money this year and that could make, if they want, a $1.8 million next year. And we're going to get a real thing for that. And we're going to replace him with Andre Drummond after he's bought out this year. And then this summer, we're going to offer Andre Drummond. Oh, God. Well, let me ask you. A, what do you think of that scenario generally? And B, what is Andre Drummond worth in this, like today in the NBA? I will say in Andre Drummond's defense, he's never had like the best defensive personnel around him. And so like when the defensive splits get weird or people talk about, you know, his defense in space, like with the guards that he's had playing in front of him, with the exception of the beginning of the season in Cleveland, like it hasn't been great. Mm. I just don't know what he does for you. And he, he feels like maybe he's not entering Hassan Whiteside territory who ended up playing for the minimum this year, but is he getting more than the the non-taxpayers mid-level over the summer, I would be, I would be shocked. Like you would really have to like him and he, you know, he'll help your rebounding. But like you said, he's not, there's this idea that he's a great pick and roll partner, but he's actually not. He just doesn't have the same gravity as some of these other bigs that mm. roll to the basket. His ball handling has gotten a little bit better, but you're not acquiring Andre Drummond to, to handle the ball. So if it's point, a, if point you, Andre is not your, it's not your jam. It's fun. Then you see him dribbled up the court, but like, and what Mitch doesn't like, or bigs like Mitch, they're a little bit lower maintenance too, where you have to go through the Andre Drummond post-up motions a couple mm-hmm. times a game, at least. And I don't think that that's what the Knicks should be doing. That said, if you are trading Mitch in the scenario that you said, I guess anyone who's a placeholder would work provided it's a, it's a short term deal. And so you can't hate that, but I do think that they end up being at this point, And this is something I never thought I'd say after watching Julius Randall in new Orleans, I'd rather <laughs> just see more of Julius Randall at the five at this point, um, than play more of Andre Drummond. And so, um, this season specifically, if you're not moving another big, I don't think Drummond would make sense. Even if he's a buyout candidate and wants to come to New York for some reason, but long-term, again, I think the Mitch scenario is at least a good one that you laid out where if you're getting real value for Mitch, uh, you could take a short-term flyer on Drummond. Yeah, I, I feel a little bit like I'm, I'm cheating on my significant other by having a discussion about trading Mitch without uh, Jeremy Cohen, my, my usual uh, Sunday co-host here, because that's his, that's his favorite pet topic. Um, and not because he doesn't like Mitch, because like, you know, I like Mitch. It seems you like Mitch. He, we all like Mitch. He's a, he's a fun player. What and do you say him? Just those bigs are so tough to gauge their value. It's, you know, and I really feel like the, I'm going to go on a little rant here. The Rockets screwed everybody with that Capella contract. And look, Capella's a good player. He was a borderline all, I don't know, maybe not borderline also this year. He was like a borderline being in the borderline all-stars conversation, right? He's, he was like a top 30 player in the East this, this season. Um, and he's helpful to you. And, you know, and then David Griffin comes along and gives Steven Adams two years and, $35 million. And I like Steven Adams, but again, it's like, I feel like some of these deals are skewing the market on, on, on centers where, you know, Mitch's whoever's rep- representation is at the moment is going to come to the Knicks and be like, all right, well, you know, okay, give me, where's, where's our four year, you know, $60 million cut or whatever, something like that. Like, and I don't know what would, what do you do with that? If you're the Knicks, like, do you, I think that's why we're maybe hearing some of these rumors as part of a negotiating tactic, but that's, you know, in my world, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. That would be interesting. And I don't, you know, if you make Mitchell Robinson a restricted free agent, is he the second best center available um, beyond Rashawn Holmes? Who's like clearly the best center available this oh, summer. And I'm just trying I to love go through Holmes. the names. I'm and, a big Holmes fan. And then his con, if he is, let's say it is, you know, let's say Mitch is, let's say Mitch is a top three, top four, whatever it is. Like then the Holmes contract, whatever the Kings give him, or if someone aggressively like Charlotte goes after Rashawn Holmes, again, that if he gets four years in 60, I, I think Holmes is better than Mitchell Robinson, um, different kind of player, but he does so much on offense. Yeah. 
like that, if he gets four and 60, and you mentioned that for Mitch, like that's going to be, that's what you're going in with. That's what you're expecting. And I don't know that you've seen enough, enough from Mitchell Robinson, especially as the Knicks, as a good team, like knowing that he can really help you get to the next level to be like, Hey, let me commit $15 million a year to that. At the same time, if you're going to turn around and trade for a miles Turner, if that, if that scenario is actually in play, I do believe Miles Turner is more valuable than Mitchell Robinson, but he, he are you just acquiring him because he has two years left on his deal after this one, and you don't want to pay Mitchell Robinson for four? I would just be interested in like the the logic there. To to me, the the Miles Turner logic is he's an interesting fifth on the Knicks because of the shooting, and I say that with trepidation because I just did a whole article uh, a whole newsletter on the fact that the Knicks have been more have more more selective than people think about the shots that they give up behind the arc and case in point of that is that they gave up 21 threes to Miles Turner this year in, in the games that they've played the Pacers and Miles Turner hit like four of them or something like he's I theoretically yes he is a three-point shooter but I feel like if you're pos- if there is a possession that ends and Miles Turner is taking a three-point shot for the Pacers as a defense you're like okay I'm good with that, right? So what really is the value of Miles Turner? Obviously, on defense, he's a, he's a very good player. But um, that said, again, the theoretical spacing, it works with Julius. It works with Obi Toppin, who right now is is Kevin Noxifying in terms of his his value in real time, which is like – but again, that's why it's such a fascinating situation because there's all these balls in the air for the Knicks, which is like – I just don't know what they what they are going to prioritize, or quite frankly, I don't even know what they should prioritize. Yeah, I would be with you there. Where I don't really know what they could go after. I think it could be like, hey, they need it. They need a two way wing, but that's twenty nine teams in the NBA that need that, <laughs> that same player. So you can't really just default to that. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the the Miles Turner conversation is is interesting, and I, I the the Obi Toppin stuff. I don't I don't really want to get into this, but it really hurts my soul whenever I watch Tyrese Halliburton play with the Kings. Now, were you um, were you all aboard? I, I I missed it. Were you all aboard the Halliburton train? I was I was infatuated with him and Devin Vassell um, okay. leading into the draft, and I really wanted them to. And as a beleaguered Knicks fan at this point, like I'm someone who's just like get the guard who looks like he can handle the ball and be good on defense. And you have Emmanuel quickly, so it softens the blow. So I don't want to. He's been yeah. great. Toppin's still really young, but. Halliburton's really good. That's the that's the one that that got away. And I think I don't know if this is impulsive, but I've been on the board more of maybe they should look at trying to make an actual play for Lonzo Ball, even though they can throw him a massive offer sheet in the the offseason. Because I think someone like him, restricted free agents, it's more valuable to just have their bird rights because you can match yeah. whatever he's going to get. But I do think in this situation, because of how thin the free agency pool is, you would be giving up value for Lonzo Ball now, and then you're just that's for the right to pay him close to max money. I don't know that's, if there's a team that's going to give him 27 plus, but there might be a team that gives him that money. So screw it. Let's talk about Lonzo. Um, I, if you're, if, let's talk about him quickly from New Orleans perspective, because if you're David Griffin, you're trading him because you ostensibly believe in the guy you just drafted a few months ago in, in Kyler's junior. Um, even though I don't, I mean, I, I liked Kyra coming, coming into the draft. Um, we haven't you know, seen a whole hell of a lot of them this year. Um, and you don't, you're scared of the prospect, I guess, of paying of basically Lonzo Zion and, and Brandon Ingram being your payroll, right? For whatever. And Steven big, Adams. And, and Mr. <laughs> can't forget about him. And Jackson Hayes, uh, too. He's, <laughs> he'll be extension eligible before you know it. Um, I'm kidding, kind of. Um, but no, so the, it's, it has to be mostly financial because if, if I don't care who he drafted a few months ago, if he could get Lonzo to sign, um, let's just say the contract we, we mentioned a moment ago, four for 60. Like, I have to think he would want to keep Lonzo in that case, right? Like, what? who, who wouldn't want to pay Lonzo Ball $15 million a year? Or am I giving Lonzo Ball too much credit? I, no, I don't think you're giving him too much credit, but it's, it's odd because the Pelicans, unless they're making major changes, maybe they're the team that doesn't even want to give him that much because they've set him. He's playing so much better and he's been great off the ball, but they do kind of need someone who can get them. I I guess they have Zion doing it now. So maybe he's more valuable that way. But the thing with Lonzo ball, and maybe this is more of a problem on the Knicks is that he's not that traditional half court point guard that you can trust to run pick and roll. Even since he's been scorching hot, he's still shooting like sub 30% on his drives and he doesn't want to shoot. And he doesn't drive. No, that, that too. But so 
you do have to weigh that. I, I guess the Pelicans would be more open to paying him, but you still have to be prepared. Like Eric Bledsoe has some time left on his deal. You already mentioned Steven Adams, which was just, you know, I kind of try to talk myself into it when they did it, but that was a borderline. That was borderline. Atro- like atrocious. <laughs> it, logic. Was, Not it wasn't Adam- atrocious. The contract wasn't atrocious, but like the fit you have Zion there and you just right. drafted Jackson. It's a, uh, anyway, we don't have to talk about Steven Adams. Um, Okay. Can I ask you a question? What would you, Please. or you and Andrew, what would you guys be willing to give up for Lonzo Ball, knowing he's a restricted free agent who's about to get, you know, if you, you said, let's set, let's set the over under on his deal four and 80, I would take the over right now based on how the market is shaping up. I really want to disagree, and you can't disagree because, again, as we say on this podcast sometimes, all it takes is one asshole. Um, and there are some, there are some p- potential assholes in this market. San Antonio has how much? $40, $50 million in cap space. Um, the Bulls are in a weird position because are they keeping Thad Young? Um, are they waiving him next year and paying $6 million of his $14, $13 million? Whatever. But they can open up room, and, and they've been linked to Lonzo. So it's like... Yeah, you're 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 trading for him for the right to pay him twenty plus million dollars a year, and it's like, what do you give up for that? Um, I I think I draw the line in the sand that I don't know that I would give it up. I don't know for sure, but the twenty twenty three Dallas pick again is where I always wind up coming back to, where it's like, if you if you think by that point Luke is in just in the MVP race every year, and like that organization is going to figure it out, and you're giving away a pick that has the protections and it's probably going to be the 25th pick in the draft anyway. Andrew, where, where are you coming down on this? So my perspective on this, and we've, we've talked a little bit about this in the locker room conversation mm-hmm. um, about what the Knicks roster looks like when they're ready to start, you know, legitimately competing as a top four team. And so if Lonzo's part of that, your assets, like you hit it with the Dallas pick in 2023, your assets can start to be used down the road like it's not it's not short-sighted if you think Lonzo Ball is part of the future for the next four years um four for 80 I think is actually the minimum because you guys have hit on it throughout the conversation that there's just no other significant guard out there like it's Oladipo and Oladipo has a worse true shooting than Alfred Payton right now I think the price on him has gone down so why do you have to sully Alfred Payton's good name well no we said this on Saturday like I said I wouldn't trade the, the Detroit pick, the second rounder for Oladipo, because I don't think he's that good. He just hasn't been the same player since he's come back from injury. Yeah. So as far as Lonzo goes, you guys have talked about it um, with Jeremy. The it's it's You're really not trading for Lonzo this year. You're trading for the opportunity to pay Lonzo Ball and yeah. match whatever offer you get, which is the reason why you have to think of it as less of what happens this season. And it's like a five-year... Uh, investment. So all of this to say, I would probably trade one of the Dallas picks. I'd probably trade the Detroit pick for Lonzo. Um, I mean, the the underlying aspect of this conversation is, is Lonzo even available? I have no idea what, what New I'm, Orleans is doing. They're right there for the 10 seed. And if they want Zion to make the playoffs this year, they might actually be buyers at the deadline. That's a, that's an interesting thought. I, Dan, where do you come, come down on this with Lonzo? I think in it, it would just end up with the Knicks aren't going to be able to get him. If you're looking at like a Kevin Knox, that Dallas 2023 first, the Detroit second, like if that's the baseline of the package, I think you do it because there's going to be value in just having him at least to gauge his fit this season, even though that's not why you're trading for him. But I don't know how to gauge Lonzo Ball's value because you look around the league, what is the team that needs Lonzo Ball right now? And it might not even be the Knicks. Like who yeah. does he put over the top? Who does he make exponentially better? I think he helps because – I don't think he's played great defensively this season, but you know, you can move him around where you can play quickly Lonzo and Barrett together in theory. And you're not actually that small or that disadvantaged again, in theory defensively. But I, from new Orleans's perspective, it's, well, if that's, if, if it's Knox that Dallas first, which is going to be a late first and then a Detroit second, is that enough to give on this guy who's still in his you know mid twenties and really good. But the flip side of that is, and Andrew just touched on this, they're the 10 seed, which is, or right in striking oh, distance of the 10 11, seed. Yeah, they're 11 seed. Back. You're, you might be the 11 seed. Like that's, they're far enough behind the 10 seed that you might just be 11 or even lower. And now you're going to go and pay someone else from this core that 
couldn't get you into the play, playing tournament for the second year, that has to be at least part of their logic. And so maybe if you can get a first round pick for him, um, that's, you know, not this season. I mean, they'd probably prefer New York's 2021 first, but I'm not even sure that I would like, if I'm the Knicks, that's just not something I can give up. So if not, on I the think table. the package, the one that I laid out is the max that I would do for him. I'm just not sure how New Orleans values him. And I'd be curious to see if he does go somewhere else. Like what does he actually net them? Yeah. And it, it's, it's obviously it's tough because when you talk about non all-star level guards, and this actually is probably, that's not even fair for me to describe these guys. Is that I was going to bring up Brogdon and Van Vliet. Brogdon and Van Vliet are the current like guys who got paid at the time of both of those contracts. I think you could have looked at them and be like, all right, it's probably a little bit more than they're worth, but like those teams, it made sense for them to make those respective moves, Indiana and Toronto. And now you look at both of those contracts and like the Knicks would kill to have either of those guys on those deals. Lonzo's not that though. Lonzo doesn't do all the things that either of those guys do. He doesn't run an offense like Brogdon and he doesn't do as much. He's not as dynamic on offense as Van Vliet. So it's like, I always come back to is the contract tradable once you sign it? And that's my concern. If like you sign Lonzo for four for, for 80 is, can you flip that contract for, you know, where another team is looking at it and it's like, all right, we don't love the money, but we like the player. And if we're going to over, we'll, we'll overpay a little before it in some future deal down the line. But again, if you're thinking about it, as like we're signing a guy so we could eventually possibly trade him. It's like, what do you, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. Um, do you think they do anything, you know, just big taking a zoom out? Do you think that they will make a move? And do you think if they, if they make a move, do you think it'll be a significant one? I, they'll make a move just because they have so much cap space floating around. And you kind of weighed before Wyatt. Yeah, it could be worth to wait to around the draft, but that's also close enough to the league's new calendar year that they teams can futz around and delay it. So I do think the cap space is most valuable now, which means they'll do something. I don't expect it to be something significant, but it's also like the Knicks. And there's been reports of all over the place where it's, yeah, you're going to link them to Drummond or Miles Turner. You're also going to say that they're not looking to do, I saw something, anything at the deadline. Um, I think the, the only thing that we could be sure of is that they're not going to trade Julius Randall or RJ Barrett at this point. Yeah. It's just the only thing that you can put off the table. And I, I guess you could throw quickly in there too. Uh, I don't, and I also don't know what the significant move is. Like we just talked about Lonzo and we don't even know if, if he would be realistically gettable for them. Yeah. So is the ceiling, like what do you view as the ceiling on their move? Is it an old depot trade? Is that the splashiest thing you can see them doing? Is there even a, and I brought this up earlier, a dark horse player that you look at that's not generating a, a lot of buzz that you could see the Knicks, you know, kind of, falling in love with and it's not you know it's not going to be people have brought up vooch for phoenix like there just doesn't seem to be that type of player for the knicks out there who's that, that guy where yeah. is that guy I, I don't know who that guy is is it I, it's not even john collins like i'm just trying to think of like who do they they could do something where it's like they know they're not going to be a buyout destination for most of these guys like are they the team that gives up a second round pick to say hey we have pj tucker or we have daniel house like, is that the move they make where we assumed it was going to be a true contender, not a team that, yeah, they're going to compete, it looks like, for a top between four and eight spot in the East, but they're not going to win a championship this year. But are they willing to give up value to get those guys anyway to sort of solidify their playoff position? Yeah, I mean, George Hill has been brought up by Nick fans. I, I have not heard that name, in, like, been brought up, like, by any, like, reporter or anything like that. He's, like, you know is he better than Alfred Payton? Yes. Is that saying a lot? No, but like, you know, there's no, because you, you know, what they need is the thing that is not really available. It's not on the market. It's it's, they need a two way wing and they need someone who could run an offense and and hit an outside shot. And just those things are not out there. So I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be anything big. I I've been, I've had the, I've had the suspicion for a while that Oladipo there's a decent chance that he's he's the guy just because I don't think anyone else is going to want him. And I think you said Fertitta is going to be like, wait a minute, I have to pay this guy for the rest of the year. And what's our record? And he's, we're not paying him this summer, you know? So, but other than that, I don't see it. Um, before I let you go other, is there a team or two teams or something that you're like keeping an eye on between now and next Thursday that you're just fascinated to see what they do or don't do? Yeah, Boston is one of them because they have that huge trade exception and they have to be pretty, uh, feeling pretty foolish after how the whole offseason played out. I mean, like as of right now, they've lost Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, and Kyrie Irving for, for nothing, basically. 
Um, that's, and that's, that's rough. Like that's just, and I think you can justify all the decisions in the moment where that Horford contract was, you know, that was brutal. Kyrie didn't want to be there. Um, Gordon Hayward contract, like no one was criticizing them for not matching that. But if you had the chance to get Miles Turner and didn't, uh, because you wanted Victor Oladipo too, or TJ Warren as well, whatever that rumor was. Yeah. So I think there's pressure for them to do something, but Danny Ainge never makes these midseason trade. He's the king of almost at midseason, And that's what he normally does. But I do think they need like everything. It feels like they could use a different type of big, even though they're crowded up there. Um, someone more dynamic than Tristan Thompson or more dynamic um, than Tice. Um, they need someone to replace the Jeff Teague minutes, uh, you know, and maybe Marcus Smart coming back helps that, but another ball handler will be good. They need another wing behind Jalen Brown and, and Gordon Hayward. So are they going to be the team that goes after Harrison Barnes? Maybe that's something. It's um, just, it's obvious, but at the same time, like if you're Boston and you're looking at the East this year, it's like, okay, great. Harrison Barnes pushes us to six games as opposed to five games, you know, against whatever team we're losing to in the for, hell first round if they face Miami. So it's like, yeah, that, that's there. And the other team is Chicago just because, um, and one of the things the Knicks need is a star, but like Levine or Beal just don't look like they're going to be available. And Chicago, though, I don't know how long they can convince themselves that they're actually like in it for this season. I know that they just started some of their veterans, but you have to reach a point where Larry Markin is going to be a restricted free agent. Um, you have Garrett Temple. You, you have Thaddeus Young. Even some of these younger guys, like they're not this regime's um, investments for the most part. Like, is yeah. Wendell Carter Jr. secretly available? I could see him as being one of the surprise names that gets moved. Uh, maybe even Kobe White, though. I would be, I'd be more shocked if it was him. They feel like the team that could come out of left field as sellers, where you know everyone's like, okay, there's OKC, there's the Rockets, and then there's who? Is it going to be the Magic? Is it the Kings? I, I feel like it could be Chicago, and so they're just a team that contenders are going to want to pillage of some of their assets if they if they are open to selling some of them off. Chicago's to me in, in that fascinating place where their young assets are and specifically talking about Markin and White and um and Carter. I could see them demanding just a little bit too much versus where the rest of the league is like, well, I don't think I want to give up that much to find out if Kobe White is a starting guard in the NBA or if he's just like, yeah, he might win you a game off the bench every now and then. Like the numbers are really nice on Kobe White. I was looking at them this year. Like he's efficient. Like he's throwing some assists. He's scoring a little points. It's just, but you watch him and you look at the product, especially him and Levine. That's the interesting thing. He, I don't think those two make sense together. So if you want to keep Levine, maybe he's the guy they sell really low on. Um, should the Knicks get it in the Kobe White sweepstakes? Now we're, I'm going to get myself well, in trouble here, before we get out This would be a question to turn around on you and Andrew. Would you rather have Kobe White or Alonzo Ball? Throw a price point out of the equation long-term. Which one of those would you would you rather have? It's never good when I'm I'm stunned into silence on my own podcast. I have, not, I have not done enough research on Kobe White. My initial thought is Lonzo, though. I, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that Lonzo was the better basketball player, and I I don't think I don't think Kobe White's a point guard, or at least he's not a, he's he, he's a, he's a guy that like if you have two guys who see, but that's it. But that brings us it's same thing with Lonzo. If the Knicks are the Knicks going to continue to revolve their offense around R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, and if they do then do you need necessarily a more traditional point guard or you can you get away with a backcourt of Emmanuel quickly and insert other name here, whether it's Lonzo, you know, Kobe White, pick your it's, but that, but they're just, if that's your team, there seems to be a limited ceiling. So then it's like around and around we go and why it's like, we, we know what they need. It's just, it's they're you're all of these other things are spinning their wheels, you know? Yeah, I mean the question that or I don't I don't even know if it's a question. The thing he brought up is moving forward, like is Julia is Julius Randall one of the guys? He has a year left on his contract. It'll be a bargain if um, when they guarantee it. Are they going to um, actually extend him? Do they view him as you know, he's young enough to be part of the future? But do you actually view this? That's called a fringe All NBA campaign when you're looking at yeah. you know, some of the injuries to other forwards. Do you view him as the guy? And because that's going to dictate how you do fill out the rest of your roster. Like you can say, yeah, RJ Barrett will be here and he's shown that he doesn't necessarily need to dominate the ball all the time, but if Julius Randle is going to be there, I don't know why you'd ever want to take the ball out of his hands right now. And so that sort of dictates 
some of how you build a team, which is why Lonzo seems like a nice hedge because it feels like he can sort of fit with, with everyone. But then is Kobe white or someone along his lines, the better hedge because it's, well, if Randall's not there long-term, you do want someone who could generate their own offense a lot easier. I, I wish I liked Kobe white a little bit more as a player. Um, I just, I saw, so I, I'll answer the question and I'll say Lonzo, because I think at the end of the day, I don't know. Is this one of those? Could we get could we get Lavar on on the next podcast, Andrew? Could you, could you book Lavar? Let's see if maybe he really wants his son in New York, and he'd be willing to take a little bit of a discount. I just found out over the weekend. You know, Colin Jost. If anybody is able to get Lavar Ball, it's you, John Macri. <laughs> I can't get Lavar Ball. I would be great if I get Lavar Ball. Um, man, I would really like Alonzo at like four for sixty four, but that's again, that's not gonna happen. Um, all right. I think we've we've sufficiently gone through is there anything else we haven't touched on that you feel like you we should talk about before we get out of here, Dan? No, I just I guess the only thing is is do you actually have a way that you want the Knicks to go at the deadline? It's something I've been trying to would you prefer they be just sort of on the margins, like using their cap space a little bit to get seconds, full on accept a bad salary, or do you want them to be, or do you think that they should be buyers right now? If there were any way for them to use their cap space to get any kind of a first round pick, I don't care what for first round pick is just literally anything. Um, I would do it even if it meant, and again, this, if this deal's out there, I haven't found it. And I'm like you, I scour the league all the time. Like, even if it meant taking on money for next year, right? Like in a, in a theoretical fantasy world where the magic were contenders and they were trying to get off uh, Al Farouk Aminu and were willing to, you know, trade away a future protected first. Like I would do that um, happily given that I don't think that deal is going to be out there. Um, you know what I wouldn't mind them doing? I wouldn't mind them taking a shot on a young, a, a young asset that's on somebody's roster that is falling just below that line of like, the team is like Aaron Holiday is a guy that's always interested in me. He's had a god awful year. He's been just bad, and I don't know why. Um, but like I like him, you know. What what is he going to cost? You want to flip Kevin Knox for Aaron Holiday? Kevin Knox and like a, a future second for Aaron Holiday? That's interesting to me. But you know, Fournier is like he's fine. I don't really care. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I think that's probably the acceptable answer. Um, I've. I've bandied about every single possible scenario. I've tried to talk myself into Aaron Gordon for them. I thought he would be like super interesting. Mm. Uh, There's so many different things they could do. I was just curious if you had were leaning one way or the other of what you thought they actually actually should do. I feel like this might just all end up with Victor Oladipo in the Knicks jersey, 3 p.m. March 25. So I feel like that ends up. If you gave me 10 different, like somewhat equally feasible choices, and that was one of them, that's probably the one that I would say is going to happen, but... Who the hell, you know the last thing I'll say and we'll get out of here is if I I'm really curious to see if maybe the league wide or not league wide there is some team out there that looks at Mitchell Robinson and is like a real thing and would be willing and and you could you know and I got yelled at for talking about this over the summer so that's why I save it to the end of the podcast but if that if that opportunity were out there where you could incorporate him into some something where some team is really placing value on him. That's that's at least interesting to me. And I would be curious to see where that road led down. That's the only thing I would say. That would make the Knicks the left field team we were looking for, a Mitchell Robinson. Wouldn't trip. it? Yeah, no, it would. Um, well, we'll see what happens. We have nine days to go. Um, Dan, could you uh, kindly, before we leave, uh, tell the folks at home where they could find you and your stuff? Um, they can just find me tweeting nonsense on Twitter with everything <laughs> I'm doing. Um, it's at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. <laughs> Um, and uh, you have a podcast which people should listen to. So, oh yeah, you should. That's terrible um, self promotion on my part. I am the co-host. <laughs> like of the Har- I am the co-host of the Hardware Knox podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Hardware Knox, spelled exactly as it sounds. Whenever you need sub mediocre league wide basketball takes, I, I highly recommend the Hardware Knox podcast. <laughs> Anybody who says that their takes are are below the the median, you know that the, it's going to be an entertaining. Like the best podcasts are the self-depreciating podcast. That's why I always self-depreciate on this. Cause I want to build myself up. Really. That's, that's what I'm doing. My self-depreciating. Yeah. I, I hedge everything with, Hey people, I just assume everyone knows more than I do. And that's how I approach covering the entire NBA. <laughs> that I, you know what? 
Come to think of it, I do too. Um, so we, 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 yeah, this is this was a clearly a great meeting of the minds. Um, <laughs> Dan Vivali, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Uh, stick around for one sec. Um, but I will bid adieu to our listening audience. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast, and we will be back with you another episode um, to end this week. We will see you then. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.